today on City Cash Chicago. You know, food insecurity in Chicago did not start with the pandemic. We've been hearing for years about walking for blocks and blocks in some neighborhoods until you can see a grocery store or a market that sells fresh fruit and veggies. The city of Chicago has released a plan to help tackle some of those food insecurity issues. And for the first time, there's one person leading the charge. Food is everything. Food is in housing. Food is in zoning. <laughs> food is in permitting, which are none of my areas of expertise, right? But like there needs to be someone with a food perspective there to understand how we can kind of unlock access through these different avenues. We talk with Chicago's first food equity leader, Ruby Ferguson. It's Monday, September 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. One second oh, before it's you loud. start. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Hey, yo, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we caught up with Ruby Ferguson from her new office in City Hall. Y'all, it's so new, it's basically a hallway. People were coming in and out the entire time. So, Ruby Ferguson, welcome to City Cash Chicago. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Ruby, I, I want to take a maybe a step back in terms of your life. You know, yeah. wh- where'd you grow up? Is food insecurity you saw coming up as a kid, maybe in your community or in like communities uh, that you visited? I am actually a, originally a Los Angeles native. And I think what's important for my story is that I had the benefit of having parents that prioritize travel. I was lucky enough to go to Haiti as a kid and also go to East St. Louis and notice some similarities in community access to food and what that looked like there. And then when I moved to Chicago, I think when I first started to ride the train, kind of seeing the city change and seeing what access looked like as you ride the train. Yeah, I'm with you. Like riding a train from the north side to the south side, I mean, into the west side. You see just how segregated the city is, where exactly the resources are placed, like grocery stores, fresh markets. For sure. So I think I originally was pre-med, and I was pre-med because I'm a firm believer that every human being should have access to good health. It is a fundamental human right. And then as I was studying, I realized that most of the things that Black and brown communities were dying from are nutrition related. So diabetes, cardiovascular disease, prostate cancer, breast cancer, these all have nutrition related causes. And then when I zoomed out even more, um, I think a lot of times there's this narrative that uh, nutrition related causes are all personal choice. And if you just did this, it would be a little bit better. But the reality is that there are systems in place that prevent entire communities from being healthy. And so I found that my space was in nutrition because that's an opportunity to give community the power to take agency over its own health. About 19% of people in the Chicago metro region face food insecurity in some form. And when you think about Latino communities, that goes up to 29%. When you think about Black communities, that goes up to 37%. Yeah, yeah. Ruby, the council has five priorities listed in their agenda. Can you walk me through what are those priorities? The first thing is that we need to acknowledge that there are root causes of this 
And it's not just putting a grocery store in a neighborhood. Um, we have seen that through research. People have tried that. So mm-hmm. let's not pretend like that's going to be our answer. Dropping a Whole Foods in the hood don't do anything. It doesn't it, do anything. And did anybody have a conversation with the hood about what, what they want and what they need? So the Food Equity Council, these five priorities are really focused on connecting people to food resources like SNAP, WIC, summer feed programs, food pantries, then kind of elevating it to the next level of creating opportunities for BIPOC businesses, growers, producers to kind of create and and fuel and nourish their own communities and then transform communities that have a history of disinvestment. For my listeners, can you define, you know, like what WIC is, what SNAP is? So WIC and SNAP provide dollars um, to purchase foods. Both have specific vendors that you can go to. I think what happens a lot of times is that there's a burden to accessing these programs. So what we saw is that because of underutilization, close to $60 million in WIC, was not utilized, and that's an opportunity to use federal dollars to feed oh, communities. Six, $60 million. $60 million and wow. close, uh, close to $30 million in SNAP dollars. That's money. That's, that's an opportunity that's sitting right there. So we really need to think about how can we maximize that access to that program. When we're thinking about these communities, how they've been approached, I, I love that you're you're putting emphasis, the council is putting emphasis that there are people out here doing this work. Right. When we think about, you know, putting a grocery store in Inglewood, you know, how would you have, have approached that versus the way they did? We need to uplift the voices of people that have been doing this work and figure out what resources city departments, sister agencies, or other kind of larger organizations can provide to those people doing that work so that they can support their own community. Ownership over your health, over your nutrition, over your food is a game changer. There's investment in there. Uh, as, as a dietitian, I learned if you want to make behavioral changes, someone has to buy into it. So, you know, if we were counseling you right now and you said you were really focused on drinking more water, but I told you you needed to eat more vegetables, you're not going to do it because you said I'm interested in drinking more water. So it's really about bringing the community to the table and identifying what issues are most pertinent to them. So the priorities, the agenda we talked about, it sounds wonderful. I'm excited to see how it moves forward. Can you give us some some examples of how the council plans to do this, how they plan to carry out these agenda points? Some of the things that we're focused on, right, are how do we eliminate or clarify barriers to urban farming? How do we figure out ways to generate and provide capital to BIPOC growers, producers, people who have an idea of food? How do we procure more food from black and brown businesses and kind of support that? And then how do we kind of eliminate barriers to expanding food pantries and get more people enrolled in those federal programs or interacting with those federal programs like WIC, SNAP, summer meals, after school programs? 
Can you give me a practical example of how you would engaging people who might not be aware that these resources are here for them? The focus of the Food Equity Council is to think about upstream changes that we can make. So what are policy changes that we can push for, whether it's at the city, state, or federal level, um, to make it easier? And then what are some ways that we can disseminate information? So in my previous work as a WIC director, we actually did pop-up WIC clinics at Head Start. So offered all of our services at Head Start facilities. How can we think of innovations like that where we can go where people already are and give them the services? there. The reason that Head Start program worked in my previous job was because the community member asked me to come and do that. A few weeks ago, I talked to uh, Dion Dawson, who runs Dion's Chicago Dream. I actually did a ride along with him, and he has um, a, a community fridge in Inglewood that he fills throughout the week, and then he makes deliveries of fresh fruit, fresh produce, fresh vegetables right to people's door in his neighborhood. Did you, yeah. hey, did you, did you eat like I told you? Yeah. You need some, okay? I'm cool, man. You, you, you gave it to me already. He Still. is right here. All right, man, go. He take care of us every morning. We love this guy. He know it. We love this guy. Put some on your stomach, man. All right. I All love right. you, bro. All right, man. Hey, y'all have a nice day. You have a great day. All right, man. How can the Food Equity Council help to sustain groups like Dion, but also sustain relationships with the communities that you all want to take part in? So I listened uh, to your interview with Dion, and it was beautiful to hear. Oh, my G, I appreciate you. <laughs> um, and I think, like, black and brown communities need opportunities to apply that creativity in other spaces besides just being resilient. And I think something that really breaks my heart when I hear stories like that is that the system is failing us sometimes, right? I'm really hoping that with this work with the Food Equity Council, that we can create space for the Dion's in the world to elevate that to the next level. So if we know that the dream fridge is already happening in Inglewood, we don't need to make another fridge, right? But how do we create policies? How do we provide resources to continue to expand programs like that? Do we connect it with food pantries that maybe Greater Chicago Food Depository is already a partner with? Do we connect it with Grow Greater Inglewood so that way the food is procured from a local urban farm? Kind of how, how do we zoom out and we start to connect all of this incredible, innovative, exciting work that's happening so that way we can move forward as a collective and not kind of piecemeal in all these separate places little small, very meaningful, but small changes. Anytime you hear the first ever, you know, you think, one of my first thoughts was, huh, we haven't been thinking about this till 2021. You know, now that you're, you know, right now you've been sitting in City Hall. What are some of your biggest critiques of how the city has dealt with food security prior to this council coming into existence? So I want to kind of shout out the work of our Food Equity Council members like Urban Growers Collective, like Dr. Angela Odoms-Young from UIC. I think what is really challenging is that there has not been one person or one department to help organize all these spaces together. And so I was incredibly excited when I saw this opportunity because I knew that it was a chance for Chicago to have some glue right? To have some cohesion, to have someone who can sit in all the rooms and connect the dots, 
Because like I said earlier, food is everything, right? Food is in housing. Food is in zoning. (laughs) Food is in permitting, which are none of my areas of expertise, right? But like there needs to be someone with a food perspective there to understand how we can kind of unlock access through these different avenues. Announcements are cool. Councils are cool. But we live in, you know, 2021 and, and, and money drives a lot of this. You talked about the $90 million in federal resources that are left untouched in Chicago. But has the city, do you feel the city has invested enough in your council beyond, you know, just titles and, and collaborative meetings to, to really help you all do this work? For sure. And I think I want to start out by by pointing that even having me in this role is a huge step in the right direction. So this is an investment in having someone to push this agenda forward, someone that can help look at budgets, someone that can help look at policy priorities and say that this is what we need to be doing. So I think there's definitely an investment in making sure that this work comes to fruition and that Chicagoans can take a look at our food system and say that it is just and equitable. Ruby Ferguson is Chicago's first food equity policy lead. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Chicago to talk about the agenda. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Critics are pushing back on the mayor after she announced the city will begin suing alleged gang members to seize their assets. Yeah, activists, lawyers, including the Cook County Public Defender, say these measures have been tried in the past with little success and will largely target low-income black and brown Chicagoans. The Illinois House passed a big clean energy package and is back to the Senate for the final votes before going to Governor Pritzker, who says he will sign it. Now, the legislation aims to phase out fossil fuels completely by 2050. There's a lot more information on the bill in today's newsletter. Sign up at chicago.citycast.fm. And some good news to get you through. A positive follow-up on the story I told you about last week. So the Park District finally installed safety rings at a beach in Rogers Park after residents in the neighborhood have been complaining for years about the lack of safety equipment along the waterfront. See? Public pressure works. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. It's my bad. I should have stayed home today. (laughs) You no. shouldn't come to the cubicle. <laughs> you could put me on speaker, and if they say, who's city cast? I say, your mama. <laughs> there we go. Run it. <laughs>